Hi friends, thank you for tuning in to the weekly City Church San Francisco podcast. City Church San Francisco aspires to be an inclusive community of Jesus followers seeking the good of the city. We are rooted in Christian faith that values curiosity and the ongoing guidance of the Spirit as we make room for everyone to belong. To that end, we welcome all persons into our community, regardless of gender, race, ethnicity, age, physical or mental capacity, education, sexual orientation, gender identity or expression, and socioeconomic or marital status. After taking stock of the Bible's wisdom in times of distress throughout the fall, we now start a new liturgical year with the dream of Advent, a space and time to set aside to remember that God is with us. This Advent, we invite you to join us in dreaming as an act of hope, an act of resistance, and an act of faith. As always, we thank you for being a part of City Church Online through this podcast. And we invite you to join us live each Sunday at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch. You can support the ongoing work of City Church by joining in our Giving Tuesday campaign, launching on December 1st. Follow us online at City Church SF for all the info on our Giving Tuesday and end of the year fundraising campaign. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had come to see the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now are you dismissing your servant in peace, according to your world. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light and revelation for the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There is also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but worshipped there with fasting and praying night and day. At the moment she came and began to praise God, and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. 
Lord, we sit here today ready to listen to your story. We have been walking through your story all month and we are waiting for you. Some of us know the story well and look forward to hearing it every year. And for some of us is new and we're not sure what to think about all of this. Wherever we find ourselves today, we ask that you will give us more insight and understanding. Give us hope that this story really does relate to our world today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text today revolves around the hope of two people, Simeon and Anna. And hope is a large concept. And the way the word hope is used, it spans everything from casual well-wishing to a deep abiding contentment and everything in between. I've often experienced hope the way I might experience a game of poker. You don't know what's going to happen exactly, but you do have some clues. You proceed based on the cards you're holding and the way others place their bets. You call a raise, your bet, hoping that your assessment is correct, and when you are, there's a rush of relief. And when you're not, you're disappointed and you either resolve to read the room better or you get up and walk away. Your decisions make it or break it. Hope. The heat has been turned up in 2020, and there's a lot we hope for right now. There's so much to hope for. We hope for quick distribution of the vaccines. We hope that the number of casualties go down. Some of you may be hoping for work or a way to pay your bills, or maybe you're hoping to see family in other parts of the country, and that can't happen soon enough. Hope. We turn to God in prayer with our requests, our hopes, and there can be a quiet desperation in that because we really don't know how God decides which requests to answer in our favor. Some of you may have given up praying because past disappointments are causing you to lose your faith. Our passage looks at two prophets, Simeon and Anna, who spent their lives hoping and praying for the arrival of God's Messiah. We don't know much of their story. We do know a few things about them and the context they were living in. We know they waited for God's answer for years in a country full of turmoil. We can learn from Simeon and Anna how to wait for God's answers through the long haul of difficulty and suffering. They didn't get a quick response to their prayers, and then they didn't get to see the whole picture, how the promise played out. This morning, I'm going to look at how Simeon listened to God. I'll look at Anna's enduring hope, and I will look at the way they both responded by speaking their praises to God and telling their story to Joseph and Mary. Simeon had learned to listen to God. Luke tells us that Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit this could probably be said of all the prophets, that the Holy Spirit is the source of their knowledge about the things of God. This detail can be easy to skim past. The letters of the early church talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is with each of us now. But Simeon was listening to the Holy Spirit before the day of Pentecost happened. And this is unusual. He's hearing God in a deeper way than his peers would have experienced. On this day, the Holy Spirit tells Simeon to go find Jesus. 
Simeon is in tune. He is listening. He acts on this prompt immediately, and his reward is that he gets to see the Messiah. He listens and hears a message about Jesus that he relays to Joseph and Mary. And this message came from Simeon's faithful listening. Later, the Holy Spirit was sent to all Christians at Pentecost, and we have this same kind of access to God that we read about here. Do we listen like Simeon? Patiently and faithfully? Do we listen for the unexpected? And do we have practices built into our routine that allow us to listen? When we pray, do we spend time meditating on what we imagine God might want for our world, our neighbors, or ourselves? Or do we start our prayers with an outcome in mind and tune everything else out, only listening for that answer? Or maybe you try to listen and you hear nothing. You hear the noises of the city or your own heartbeat or the long list of things that need to get done while you're sitting in silence waiting to hear something from God. Maybe listening and hearing nothing is more discouraging than not trying at all. Simeon wasn't waiting for God's promised Messiah for minutes or hours or weeks. The promise of a Messiah was around before Simeon was born. So he listened to God and waited on God. He practiced his prayers and rituals for decades. Prayer and listening were ingrained parts of his life before he received this answer. This is why he was able to be guided by the Spirit when Joseph and Mary arrived at the temple. He had been listening for years. Sustained listening is probably as difficult as having a sustained hope. Anna teaches us about hope. Anna had been a widow for most of her life. She was married for seven years, and after being widowed, she never remarried, but rather lived in the temple devoting herself to God through prayer and fasting. Anna had lived a long life, and depending on how it's read, she was either 84 years old or she lived for 84 years after she was widowed. In that case, she might be around 105. Either way, she lived through a lot. My own grandmother is 99, and that gives me some context about how much can happen in a century. My grandmother was born at a time when telephones and cameras were the big technologies, and she saw those technologies change a lot over time. She lived through wars, she lived through the invention of computers and the internet, and she phoned me about a month ago, and she told me about a beautiful picture she had seen on Instagram. Yes, my 99-year-old grandmother does have an IG account. Um, and all of this tech and more are wrapped up in the iPhone she's holding as she talks to me. A lot can happen in a hundred years. Anna didn't witness the dawn of computer technology, but she did see a lot in her hundred or so years. She would have lived through the siege of Jerusalem by Pompey, and then a couple decades later, the siege of Jerusalem by Herod. She would have lived under the cruel reign of Herod for the last few decades of her life. She may have been worshiping at the temple when it went through Reconstruction, which was supposed to be a testament to Herod's greatness. And Anna was no stranger to pain. She knew grief. We know her husband died when she was still young and children aren't mentioned. The Roman occupations she lived through were violent. 
What were her hopes for her life before all of this happened? She devoted her life to God. She placed her hope in the promised Messiah. Her hope and her prayers are not transactional. She's not praying for her own personal gain. She's aligning herself with the promises she knows. And in doing so, she's aligning herself with the heart of God. Her enduring hope is realized in the arrival of Jesus, so that when she saw Jesus, even as a newborn baby, she recognized him as the Messiah. And this is what practicing hope looks like. And Jesus is the fulfillment of her dreams. Anna held Jesus after years, decades of prayer and unwavering hope. We are all in a dire situation. Thousands of people are dying every day. We are all impacted by our current situation in one way or another. We need to learn from Anna how to hope. She knows the trauma and tragedy of death. She knows what it's like to have her dreams crumble. We need hope globally, locally, and personally. We need a hope that doesn't rely on a specific outcome. Like Anna, our hope is in Jesus. Like Simeon, we have the Holy Spirit, our comforter. And like Anna and Simeon, we hope in a relationship, not an outcome. As we listen in prayer over time, we will find that our reward is the same. We will get to see Jesus. Jesus waiting and walking with us through all the things we face. Simeon and Anna teach us how to speak. When their hopes are realized in meeting Jesus, Simeon and Anna speak. They praise God. They tell Joseph and Mary about Jesus and his role in the salvation of their people. Unfortunately, Anna's prayers aren't recorded. And frankly, I want to know what she prayed after 84 years of waiting and hoping. But when they speak, they speak about God, they speak about salvation, and they speak about hard truths. It would be easy and natural to recount the specifics of everything they've seen, what they've been through, and I'm sure they have stories. But we don't hear much about Simeon or Anna personally. We hear about Jesus. We hear praise and thankfulness. Simeon praises God for providing the answer to his hopes and prayers. He tells Joseph and Mary about their son, about the kind of life and purpose Jesus will have. He doesn't mince words. He includes the pain and suffering. He alludes to the rejection Jesus will face. He isn't a cheerleader trying to convince them what their son could do with the right motivation. He doesn't take the edge off the message. Simeon tells them that Jesus will be a light to many people. And he also tells them that many will fall and rise because of him. Jesus will be opposed and that a sword will pierce Mary's heart. This isn't a superficial message. He doesn't try to make it palatable. It can be tempting to skim past bad news. Nobody wants to be a buzzkill. And on the other hand, some people overcorrect the norms of polite society and only focus on the bad news. Simeon experiences both and then shares both. Let us learn from Simeon's honesty. 
Let us learn to listen to the Holy Spirit so we know when blunt honesty is necessary or when it's hurtful. Simeon praises God, fully rejoicing, going so far as to say he can die now that he's seen Jesus. He's probably causing a bit of a scene. And then whether they want to know it or not, Joseph and Mary learn that their newborn baby will cause major upheaval in society, will be rejected, and Mary's heart will be broken. And his words are true. He reveals the overwhelming joy and deep sorrow. His words may be the preparation Mary needs, and they may also lurk in the corners of her heart as she raises her son. We see in this short encounter a picture of how to abide in God's presence. Simeon and Anna both devoted their lives to worshiping God. In the face of years of silence and social upheaval, they persisted in worship. Anything practiced continually over time will change you. Their prayer and worship over years surely changed them into people who knew how to listen to God and knew the heart of God. The repetition would change them to not only know what God cares about, but would change them into people who also care about those things. This is the invitation for all of us. We can all create patterns of prayer that will affect us over time. We can go from learning what God wants for our world to experiencing that desire for ourselves. But I also know prayer can feel elusive. It can feel overwhelming. If you're new to prayer, you might wonder how to even do it well. There are different kinds of prayer that can guide you. And one way you can get started is to join our contemplative prayer on Thursday mornings. But it can also be as simple as a conversation. God, what do you want for our community right now? What do you want for our cities, our families? What part do you want me to play in, in the, being the answer to other people's prayers? Let's start with questions like those and then leave space to listen. Bring the concerns of other people to God as well as our own. And as we do this, remember that your hope doesn't rely on specific outcomes, as serious and as important as those are. The focus of our hope is the same as Anna and Simeon's. The focus of our hope is Jesus. Over time, we will see Jesus. We will see the work of Jesus in the world and in our lives. Jesus will walk with us through all of our troubles and suffering, and through the Holy Spirit, we will be consoled. And like Simeon and Anna, at the right time, we speak. Their story became a story of waiting for God's Messiah, God's redemption. The prophet Isaiah writes, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before the nations. We tell our story, a story of praise, a story of growth, a story of hope. Our story can teach and encourage, it can build and restore hope in our community. The birth of Jesus means that God hasn't forgotten us. The incarnation of Jesus means that God sees your situation and cares. Our story can include communing with Jesus, God's redemption for us and the world, 
and prayer is the soil where this story grows within us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you today with a mixture of joy and heavy hearts. Restore our hope. Help us to build patterns into our lives that make space for listening to you. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.